Ladies and gentlemen, if you're ready for some fantasy hockey streaming advice, it's time for the most styling, profiling, wheeling and dealing, jet flying, limousine riding podcast in all the land. It's the reigning, defending, undisputed fantasy hockey streaming champion of the world. It's the stream Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again to the greatest fantasy hockey podcast that focuses on streaming players for the upcoming week. It's the stream scheme. We won't be talking about your superstars like your Vladimir Tarasenko's or your Nathan McKinnon's here. No sorry, Bob. Here we get down to the nitty gritty, the dark depths of fantasy hockey that those other podcasts are too scared to touch. The stream scheme is presented by the greatest fantasy hockey podcast in the world, Keeping Carlson, and we often refer to the toughest league in the world, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, aka the Cupful. Hopefully everyone is coming off a win this week and got themselves a championship title, baby! Or, uh, you know, if your league is a clan league, hopefully you got to champ week. And obviously, congrats to Elon Dabrowski of our parent podcast, Keeping Carlson. We like to joke around with them like we did last week. But honestly, Elon, so proud of you. I know how much this means to you. And I know how much time and effort you put into not only this, but just a couple in general. So a big congrats to you. Well-deserved on finally getting Tier 1 Ultimate Fantasy Hockey Glory. And if you are here looking for picks this week, don't worry. We'll have some for you in a little bit. But in the season finale of the stream scheme, it's time for us to look back at the season that was and do some lessons learned. Believe it or not, the stream scheme is not my day job, unfortunately. I work in project management, and at the end of any project, you got to do some lessons learned. So you learn what you did right, what you did wrong, and so for next time around, you can maximize the good and try to avoid Avoid or at least mitigate all or most of the bad. So throughout the season, I've been trying to jot down some of my lessons learned to share with you here today. And I know what you're thinking. Wow, Dave, sounds like some pretty valuable information. Wouldn't you want to keep that to yourself? Which, hey, great question. I get it. But we've had our best season ever here at the Stream Scheme, and the growth this pod has seen has been incredible. I think last season we only had about 40 people listening. This season we're easily up to at least 55, I want to say. So this is just a small way of me saying thank you to you, the loyal stream schemer. So without further ado, let's get into them. My first lessons learned is that the first one that I wrote down this season in all caps, so apparently I really flubbed this one up, it's to draft the best player available and don't worry about position. And this one actually rolls into a couple other lessons learned that I have as well, I believe. And yeah, it seems obvious, but I was very guilty of this going into this year, especially after PJ Mason and I did our preseason top 10 series I started saying like oh wow like right wing is very shallow and even center isn't as deep as it normally is 
Nope, don't worry about it. Even if you end up with eight centers, skill will find its way into your lineup, especially in the kick cup full where you have two utility spots as well. And sure, it's easy to say now at the end of the season, but once those slow drafts start to roll around where you almost have like too much time to overanalyze everything, I'm sure it'll start to creep in when I've drafted uh, three left wingers in the top three rounds. But yeah, just don't worry about positions until it starts forcing you to like, you know, draft certain positions. My next lessons learned is draft the safest player in each round, especially early. And this one I already knew, but felt the need to write down in order to reinforce it because apparently I don't listen to me. <laughs> it's hard to win a draft in the first few rounds, but it's real easy to lose it if you just completely bomb a pick. Like for example, anyone who drafted Dougie Hamilton in the third round probably had to nail a, a couple of late round picks in order to compete this year. And hey, specifically talking about Dougie, that was probably my hottest take in the preseason series that I had him ranked as my 14th overall defender. And sure, I was wrong about a ton of stuff, but I had good reason here. It's a new team and it's the Devils. So in my mind, taking Dougie early was a huge risk, which isn't to say that you shouldn't take any risks while drafting that's a good way to maybe make the playoffs but not win the championship but all i'm saying is that the first four or five picks better have a pretty 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 high floor my next lessons learned is one that isn't as obvious as the first two well maybe it is for some people not for me it's don't be afraid to draft the same player in different leagues like so let's say you were super high on Stamkos and drafted him in your first draft of the offseason but then in your next draft maybe you kind of lean more towards someone like Couturier because you don't want to be too pot committed on any one particular player because what if they get hurt or they're just terrible whatever the case may be this is dumb if you're really into a guy and as long as you're not reaching for him in the draft, then go ahead and take him in each league. My next lessons learned is that for Pete's sake, check every player that you're thinking of drafting. Uh, check out their league history, like what they've done each and every season. And again, perhaps this is obvious to some, not so obvious to someone like uh, myself. The two players who inspired this lessons learned is Oliver Bjorkstrand and Tyler Toffoli, both guys who had pretty good years in the COVID shortened season. But then if you kind of look at their actual league history, not so much. And they never even had like a full 60 points in a season, which, yeah, now looking back at it, it seems silly that I'd take someone who has a ceiling of like 60 points in a season in the seventh or eighth round. And... I still need to take a deep dive into maybe who exactly you should be targeting in that part of the draft. But if someone is still there like Joe Pavelski or Philip Forsberg, people who I passed on <laughs> to draft those guys, yeah, maybe go with them. My next one is that I've heard a lot of people talk about, and I'm pretty sure I have a definitive answer now. The max amount of skaters that I want from a single team is two. Three is too much, and I say that because I had Barkov, Verhege, and Duclair for a lot of the year. And don't get me wrong, I have nothing against any of those guys. All had great seasons, but it's just too rough. Like, when you think you should otherwise destroy 
a team in a given week. Let's say, for example, you're going against the McDavid manager in a week where Edmonton like only plays twice. So you're thinking, oh, yeah, caught him at the perfect time. You should easily have the advantage. Well, if you have three guys from like one team and they only play twice as well, all of a sudden that team has the advantage. Then you might end up dropping one of those guys when really they're not warranted to be dropped or you might make a bad trade whatever it is so i'll say that two players from the same team should be the max that's my official opinion on the matter the next one is a lesson learned that i feel particularly this year but i suppose it could apply to any year try not to draft a team of players that were good like three or four years ago i say this because at one point i had like tyler sagan nick backstrom taylor hall etc and i was like man this would be a good team a few years ago it'd be incredible uh but this year not so much it's just bad news bears and that also plays into one of my next lessons learned uh don't draft an old squad and perhaps it slightly goes against one of the earlier lessons learned about drafting safe players, but if three of your top five picks are over 30 years old, it eh, might be time to rethink your draft strategy. I'm not going to put an official limit on how many old timers you should have on your squad, but this is mainly meant for rounds like six and later. I'd much rather take a chance on a young gun on the rise in those later rounds rather than just assume someone who's been like a 60 point player for a while just won't fall off because you know father time is undefeated he's coming eventually the next one is pretty simple coach changes matter it matters for the power play it matters for the deployment of the lines and just for how the team plays in general so if you have a player that's struggling but looks like a coaching change is on the horizon maybe hold on to those players for a few more weeks and at the same time if a coaching change does happen maybe look to pick up those struggling players from those teams as well someone we saw like montreal's players all of a sudden come to life during that coaching change we saw someone like tyson barry uh who wasn't really getting a lot of power time become like the clear number one with a coaching change and all kinds of stuff so it's just something to pay attention to and just kind of realize that it is a thing the next one uh should be obvious to people listening to the stream scheme but apparently i think i'm smarter than i am so i don't listen but only focus on winning the current week a lot of times especially early in the season i start looking ahead a few weeks and start planning when people will be coming back from injuries and whatnot that's dumb focus on doing your best to maximize your chance of winning that week first and foremost because if you kind of don't care about the current week and then you're trying to maximize your chances of winning that following week uh you very well could lose both weeks and just be sol the next lessons learned is that yeah we preach it from the rafters about don't be scared of injuries homie but we need to do a slight modification to that rule don't be scared of injuries when you're drafting unless those players are currently injured. For example, I got a great value on the best pl hockey player in the world, Sidney Crosby in the draft in the second round. I thought he was only going to miss one matchup, but he ended up missing like the first four matchups. And 
freaking Backstrom missed half the year when I thought he might miss like a week or two at most. So, yeah, maybe just avoid players who are currently injured, you know, unless the value becomes so much that you just can't deny it anymore. And you can put leave them on your IR for a good while, like a Jack Eichel or something like that. One of my final lessons learned is pretty simple and it's taken me a while to learn it. But next season, I'm ready to implement this strategy hard in a points league just draft a team that will get you the most points and this one kind of rolls into my lesson learned about not worrying about drafting for positions we've talked a lot about how in a league like the cupful goalies were incredibly valued this year with the new uh, point system and we knew that going into the season but the logic was that yeah goalies will see a big increase in production but that also means you can grab whatever goalie and they'll be fine well that certainly wasn't the case because the top tier goalies that saw those consistent starts rather than so many teams had a 50 50 split were just huge so next year in each round i'm trying to draft just whoever i think has the best chance of finishing highest in points so that means if goalies remain the same type of scoring i might draft two goalies and four forwards in the top six rounds and just punt defense entirely and that's from someone who has never drafted goalies high often we follow the old apples and genos uh, zero g strategy but i'm excited to try this out and see how it goes because even like some of the top defenders this year like i thought i had in a tremendous pick on headman in the third round and for much of the year it was but just at the end of the day he was still i think he's still like 40th in uh points and for someone who like absolutely nailed it this year and like that's their absolute ceiling you're pretty much drafting them right there in the third round at that ceiling so i would rather just kind of maybe try to avoid defense entirely and maybe just focus on just getting as much of that top end talent as i can because they're not all going to pan out and so it's just kind of like a numbers game so that's some of my lessons learned. I uh, hope you guys uh, appreciated some of that. I'm not going to go over every single player how we did last week because they all kind of stunk, uh, except for Stastny. Shout out to Paul Stastny putting the team on his back. But yeah, Vrana stunk. Muzzin got injured. It was just a bad time. So I think overall for the season, uh, that brought us to 18 and 6. And hopefully we'll get a, a win here in this last week. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't reach the 20-win uh, plateau, but something to at least aim for next week. Uh, so enough pitter-patter. Let's get at her. Let's get to the schedules for the upcoming week, starting on Monday, April 18th, 2022. On Monday, we have 12 teams playing. Is that right? Yeah, Monday we have 12 teams playing. On Tuesday we have 20 teams playing. On Wednesday we have 8 teams playing. On Thursday we have 22 teams playing. Friday we have 8 clubs going. Saturday, big heavy day, we've got 24 teams going. And Sunday, busy day as well. On April the 24th we have 22 teams playing as well. The best schedule of the week, uh, three-way tie. Well, actually, kind of not really. It's the uh, Arizona Coyotes, the Colorado Avalanche, and the Seattle Kraken all play. Oh, sorry, four-way tie. And the Washington Capitals all play four times this week with three light days in there. And I believe they all play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 
Saturday. So it also gives you the chance to drop someone and pick someone up on Sunday as well. The worst schedule of the week goes to the Buffalo Sabres, who only play twice, both on the busy days of Thursday and Saturday. So they were fun to roster for a while. They're a young, scrappy unit. You know, they're going to try to win for you. But with only two games playing, you can drop each and every one of your Sabres pretty much across the board. And also, there's a few other teams. Actually, not a ton, so I'll go ahead and name them. The Anaheim Ducks, the LA Kings, the Nashville Predators, the New York Rangers, the Philadelphia Flyers, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, and the Winnipeg Jets all play three times this week with no light days. So, uh, it's champ week. So do you need to drop those superstars? Potentially. If you know, if they're only going to, if you can pick up someone who's going to give you three light days and also clear up a roster spot for you so that you're not sitting players on those heavy days, maybe, maybe we'll see. And, uh, also we've got some picks for you this week real quick. I'm just going to roll through them here. It's, it's a clown week. Let's be real. I'm not going to spend the world trying to decipher all these, but, uh, so my top forward pick of the week for the week starting on April 18th 2022 is you know our boy he's been hot down there in Washington Uh, I also my number two pick Anthony Mantha also of the Capitals Uh, they're trying Uh, Lars is obviously a little bit on the lesser side of rostered ship Anthony Mantha a little bit more but a lot of leagues that are in champs week uh, you know those higher those uh, a lot of them are shallow with leaks, so he might still be available. And uh, then we got a couple players from the Avalanche, Arturi Lekkinen and JT Comfort. Again, just playing the schedule. Uh, they might be playing. They might be more inclined. Colorado would be to not play. You know their superstars as much. So those guys on like maybe the second or third line might see more time played, and that's what I'm kind of banking on here for Lekkinen and Comfort. And my fifth one, Yanni Gord. Uh, you know, I've sworn off cracking for a while now, but if there's one guy who's like pretty much getting solid minutes each and every game, it's Yanni Gord. And, you know, he's going to get primo deploymento, top line, top power play down there in Seattle. And three light days, four games this week. I like him. So my forward, Lara Zeller, Anthony Mantha, Arturi Lekkinen, JT Comfort, and Yanni Gord. For my defenders, uh, from Arizona, Dyson Mayo. Uh, Dyson spelled D-Y-S-I-N. But he's technically a ludicrous streamer from the Coyotes. Only 1% rostered right now, but he's been playing pretty good. Martin Fahervery. Sorry, I'm (laughs) I'm not going to look up how to pronounce that dude's name, but he's from Washington as well. 15% rostered right now. I guess there's at least 15% of uh, leagues that are bangers in MASH, eh? Because... The dude gets a ton of hits, and that's what I'm kind of looking for here. He kind of gives us that really good floor with getting, like, at least six hits a game, I want to say. And my last defender, Adam Larson, uh, I just love him. You know, he's the one defender in Seattle who's getting great minutes still, and so hopefully he'll be at least be able to get you a good floor of proofs there as well. So my defenders again, Dyson Mayo, Martin Fahervery, and uh, Adam Larson. My goalie streamer of the week, Anton Forsberg out of Ottawa. And they've got two back-to-back six this week, excuse me. And uh, so he's clearly going to get two starts in there. And he's been playing great just out of Wazoo. They're only 38% rostered right now. I don't know why. That should be a lot higher. That's someone who could win you this league with just one ad counted against you this week. My shallow league streamer of the week, Nick Schmaltz. Schmaltzy over there in the 
Arizona, 26% rostered, so slightly above streamer range, but I love him this week and has got a great schedule. And finally, my ludicrous streamers of the week are Matthias Makelli. Maselli? Masai? I'm not sure. But he plays for the Arizona Coyotes. He's 0% rostered right now. But he's actually, uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's primo deployment, but he's at least uh, top power play. Who knows what line could really be considered the top line in Arizona. And my second ludicrous streamer is Matty Beniers of the Seattle Kraken, who's 2% rostered, which is... Uh, mind-boggling who the heck is rostering maddie beneers if you rostered maddie beneers before this show and somehow have proof of it please let me know and i will give you twenty dollars but yeah so to recap my streamer picks for the week uh the clown week starting on april 18th 2022 are the following lazada anthony mantha arturi lekkinen jt comfort and yanni gord my defenders this week are Dyson Mayo, Martin Fahery, and Adam Larson. My goalie streamer of the week is Anton Forsberg. My shallow league streamer of the week is Nick Schmaltz. And my ludicrous streamers of the week are Matthias McKelly and Maddie Beneers. Good luck to everyone this week. Feel free to hit me up on the Keeping Carlson Discord. Check out the Stream Scheme channel over there, or you can find me on Twitter at NHL Stream Scheme and make sure to follow our cousins at Short Shifts KK and also follow at Keeping Carlson and tune into their Megapod every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Good luck to everyone this week. Thank you for listening and don't forget what the great Moose Fasco once said. Future belongs to those who believe in their stream. See ya!